Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for each one of you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Stopping by to share his journey with us in living color is a man who is an absolute powerhouse in the realms of fitness, business, and self-expression. He is the owner of O'Hare CrossFit and OCF Corporate Fitness, where he helps countless individuals gain power in their physical bodies and become connected to their work environment through community building, group-oriented exercise routines, is the co-creator and lead coach at Barbell Ethos Business, is the co-founder of Alpha Hippie, a business dedicated to helping men overcome the cycles of chronic stress and overwhelm so they can step into their full potential as men, husbands, and fathers, and is the host of the Alpha Hippie Podcast. Please help me in welcoming my man, Angelo Cisco to the show. What's up, bro? Dude, what a beautiful intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, man, of course. Like, my favorite part of doing this, and I forget if you were at the table when we were talking about this earlier, is like, I want the person that I interview to like be able to be like, holy shit, who is that person? Oh, that's me. You've done so many amazing things. It was actually like challenging to write an intro because I was like, what do I put in there? You know, like yeah. there's so much there. And so I wanted to captivate it and allow you to really like reflect on all the things you've done, man, because it's a, quite the track record and you're just getting started. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I felt old. When you were reading. I was like, damn, people were thinking I'm like really old. You're aging like a fine wine, man. Thank you. you I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. Doing my best. Yeah. So I'd love it if we could start by sharing with the listeners, like, you know, more of who you are, like what you stand for, what your mission and purpose is in life, and really just like how you got to this couch today. Sure. Wow. What a great question. At this point in journey in my life, what I identify the most with and I'm stepping into over this next decade is... Everything to do with Alpha Hippie mm. and a lot of the other interests have been discontinued or really removed off my plate at this time. Mm-hmm. And that came after plenty of reflection, plenty of time really being honest with myself of what I was really inspired to do. And then, like I said, who do I t- want to be in 2030, mm. right? Because I, I really look at life as a decade dance. Mm. I realized that I was stepping into a, a, a new journey and or was called being called to and being identified with Alpha Hippie and stewarding men to a more clear, vibrant, beautiful life, especially men over their 30s and their 40s where – We've evolved out of our boyish ego, Mm -hmm. yet we may not be sure what we are pursuing now as far as a passion Mm. and a purpose because so much of it, at least from in my experience, was I wanted to open up a gym and coach all these people and all this stuff so other people thought I was really cool. Mm -hmm. And then also, too, a lot of these other newer roles and and things that I'm I'm facing and being countering is fatherhood, Mm -hmm. being a great husband, and... And still having fun, right? This idea of my lifestyle, contributions, and income, and all these roles being as great as they can be now. And over time, I really realized that Alpha Hippie was 
where I'm moving into completely. And mm-hmm. so in order to move quick uh, into something completely, it involves you creating the voids first. Mm. And so a lot of the, the CrossFit identity, even though that was a place of great success and comfort for me, it was a place where I've moved away from mm. the majority and will continue throughout that this decade yeah. as I grow solely into this call for men. Uh, one, it's something I was aligned with before 2020, and um, I'm sure we could get deeper on this oh, yeah. later. I just feel <laughs> that a lot of what we saw in a global sense in 2020 was lack of stability, mm-hmm. which comes from proper use of masculine, uh, you know, proper use and understanding of masculine energy, right? Awareness and education is what I would say gives you the chance for proper use. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure someone like you who studies the medicine, Mm -hmm. if you're aware of it, educated on it, you can use it properly. Absolutely. And if that's not there, what's usually done is misuse. Mm -hmm. Some people call it abuse. Mm -hmm. Some people call it toxic, whatever it is, whatever version, but that's usually the root of most challenges. And so I really want to do my part to alleviate the challenge that I see as lack of stability in the world. And Alpha Hippie, if we were able to take one minute at a time, give him the stability and divinity that he could access for himself, and him do that through his little community, and everyone does that, we will all rise globally and bigger and better than ever. And that's really the dance that we're stewarding. That's really cool, man. And like, you know, I've been called to the same work, men's work, for the same reason, right? Because do you know the number one word associated with the term masculinity these days? It's toxic. And like, to me, that's just crazy, right? Because we're around so many amazing men that are nothing like that. Yes. So why are we getting this title, right? Why why is this being, you know, laid upon us, right? And then you look out and you're like, oh, that's why, right? Because just like you were saying, men everywhere are abusing their power, right? And you look at like how masculine forms structure. And you look at how structured to death this country is specifically. The world too, though, Right. And one of the best things I heard recently from Mike Bloodsoe, he's like, yeah, you know, structure's great. And it's also nice to have a female come in and tear down that structure completely. You know, like there'll be times with Rachel where uh, we wake up and she's like, I want to go get a coffee and a muffin, you know, and like my masculineness will be like, I want to go lift weights and like stick to my schedule and structure. And it's been so beautiful recently getting to let that go, taking the pressure off myself, you know, because really at the end of the day, we're the ones putting pressure on ourselves if there's any pressure on us. And like, so it's been so nice to just be able to be like, yeah, you know what? It's Saturday. I'm going to go get an espresso and eat a muffin, you know, and understand that like, I'm not going to fall off the rails the next day. Right. I think this is what a lot of like men, I don't even put it on them. Like what I thought before, right. Which was, oh, if I go get a muffin or if I do this, or if I allow myself to be a little more vulnerable, then I'm going to lose myself to that. And that was a fear and a projection that I was putting on myself from watching other people. And I wasn't trusting in myself to do different because I was doing stuff that was different. The clues were all around me, right? Yet I wasn't applying it. And so like, that's been one of the biggest aha moments with regards to men's work and masculinity that I've gone through recently. And I'm curious, you know, now that you've been doing this for a while, what's the biggest aha moment you've had yourself, you know, because I imagine just like you said, you've 
you're able to identify with these men so well because I assume at one point you were one of them, right? Like that you got to a certain age, you did some certain things and you were happy, yet there was something missing, right? And you were curious and then you went on the hero's journey and you discovered or continuing to discover things that make, make you feel alive. So what was your biggest aha moment so far with regards to men's work? Whew. <laughs> yeah, what a great question. So Alpha Hippie's name is actually the name of my self-actualization journey. Mm. And so by far the most profound thing about all this self-work for me was is the day that I found out that it was all about me and not about anyone else and really let that sink in, mm -hmm. I was all in. Mm. Because my challenge, and I and so many men, they want to be control freaks of other things. Yep. But once you learn, if you're a control freak of you, you won. Yeah. Game over. Absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. Woo! Yeah. Like, and that, <laughs> and that for me, as long, as soon as I knew that I wasn't trying to win out here is just me grabbing this mm -hmm. i felt completely liberated yeah that was probably the biggest thing may i backtrack one thing yeah absolutely Great. the word toxic i find so poorly named mm -hmm. because for most men that are categorized as toxic, they become more toxic because they're shamed, mm -hmm. okay? And so first of all, if you're calling someone toxic, what's the chances of them even having ambition to improve? Mm -hmm. And I really believe that toxic forms of masculinity or femininity aren't really toxic. What you're seeing is underdevelopment. Mm. You're seeing a man body mm -hmm. with boy psychology so the person holding the controls is a boy mm -hmm. they're not toxic mm -hmm. the same way when i have a one in a 16 month old son yeah he eats things yeah <laughs> is he a talk like, like yeah. yeah he does things that he doesn't understand mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. he's a boy yeah Right, and so to say someone's toxic masculinity to me, it disconnects. First of all, it creates worse dissonance because they're ashamed, and mm -hmm. more than likely, they're not going to want to get help because you're insulting them. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't insult my son for putting dirt in his mouth, right? And yeah. I'm not excusing all the actions. Mm -hmm. Yet, if we are looking to improve mm -hmm. and actually grow. Why don't we stop? start by not calling someone a name that's going to keep them in their spell? Because the truth is, is you tell me a toxic masculine, I will show you it's a boy. Yep. I love that, man. And I'm so glad you threw that in there because Paul Cech is famous for saying a quote, which is like, you know, 94% of the population have a consciousness level of a 12-year-old. And that's for no fault of their own, right? Like, look at the system we've been raised in, right? Like, our schooling is meant to raise factory workers. I mean, if you don't believe it, just think about it. We answer to bells. Like, how many bells are in a typical school day, right? right. Oh, it's lunchtime, you know? So the other thing I really love about what you said was that it actually... You know, it, it puts accountability on the person who's calling that other person toxic because for every one finger you're pointing, two are pointing back. So what are you finding in that person that is actually inside of you that you're neglecting to look at? 
And that's the conversation that I feel a lot of people are not ready to have, right? Because yeah. like, they're always ready to cast a little bit of judgment. And sometimes for like, quote unquote, a good reason, right? Like there is a lot of shit, just like you said, I'm not excusing it. And at the same time, we know with language, right? Like if you keep calling someone something, right? This is what affirmations are. They're the opposite side of that. If you keep saying, I am successful, then you're going to start embodying a person, a persona, a personality that is successful because you're saying it every day. The same way that if a guy keeps getting called toxic and he's not going to be able to just break out of that paradigm on his own, you know, God willing, and find the answers, then if he just keeps getting called toxic, he's going to recluse, you know, at, at best, you know, at worst, he'll continue to like express himself in that way because he goes on the attack, right? Because when someone's identity is getting challenged, they're going to attack, right? And like, we're seeing this a lot right now with like politics and like the whole pandemic and everything where people are in these sympathetic states and then they're trying to argue over Facebook and these things. And they're just like, even if one person quote unquote proved the other one wrong, it's not like that person's going to like be like, oh, I have no cognitive dissonance. Like this seems right. I'm going to do it because they're in a fear response, you know? And so I think a lot of the men that are experiencing these, you know, quote unquote toxic symptoms are in a lot of fight or flight. You know, they're in a lot of sympathetic go, go, go mentality because they've also been taught that basically the only reason you're a man is to provide. One of the things that I've noticed working with men I've worked with is that the last person they're providing for is themselves. Yes. They've never heard that. They don't know what it means. They don't know what it looks like. And that's what I love about what you guys do. And so I'd love to like hear a little bit about, you know, just the general process that you take people through. I imagine it's different for every single person, but like maybe some of the things you enjoy most in the, in working with men. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is a, a slightly different journey, really depending on where people come to me energetically mm. uh, because, uh, or energetically dominant because divinity is when you have harmony on both sides, Mm. right? You have one foot in the feminine, one foot in the masculine. And by far, what my favorite thing uh, to help unlock and show men is grace. Mm. And what grace is, is loving acceptance, right? And even what you said earlier about, you know, people judging, you know, the opposite of judgment is not non-judgment, it's grace, Mm. right? And the mo and, and for many men, including myself, this was the hardest thing for me to learn because so much of my life was built off shame, which is judgment, myself, other people, or other people because of my inner projection giving me that. And then we find out a lot of times that it's very difficult for men to understand grace because they've been given so little, and so they give themselves so little. And grace, before gratitude, for me, is the highest or the first step in understanding feminine energy. Mm, that's beautiful, man. And then, like, what I heard there, too, was, like, in the Tao Te Ching, they talk about the pendulum, right? And, like, swinging it back and forth. What grace sounds like to me is finding the middle, right? Yes. Finding the stability, you know, and being able to accept, you know, what you can't change and embrace what you want, right? You know, it's funny because... The process of learning grace, right, is, I imagine, different for everyone, right? And I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that was the hardest thing for you to learn. 
that process of you learning that, what did that look like? Was it one experience? Do you remember where it clicked or was it a gradual thing? Do you remember a certain point where you realized, I got this? No, it took me a bit. Hmm. It's just, you know, for me, it's like you learn a theory, you're given it, you intellectually understand it, then you must feel it, and hmm. then you must teach it, and then you understand, mm-hmm. right? Because then you really believe it, and you know what you believe. Mm. And so it took me many levels, and working through that, right? Like, mm. So you most men learn by what they see. Mm-hmm. So first you see someone, give someone grace. Or you might see the definition, right? And then intellectually, logically, you think you start getting it. But then someone, so it's up here. Mm-hmm. But then it's not to the moment that someone really gave you grace. Mm-hmm. And then I feel it. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so I know what this feeling feels like. And then someone wrongs me. And then I give it to them. Mm. And that may take years. Mm-hmm. That may take months, mm-hmm. right? You can't rush that process. Mm-hmm. And that that's why I said that, that was the longest for me to really extract and understand because of all those processes and all those, uh, not processes, but all those events. Mm. I really imagine have to happen yeah. for someone to really get it, especially a man mm-hmm. that is so detached from this concept. Mm-hmm. You know what I love about that? is uh, there's something I say often, which is life is not an observation sport, you know? And like you were saying, like, you got to go out there and just have these experiences, right? Like someone can't just tell you about grace and you feel it in your heart. And I love that because uh, there's another quote I love, which is intellectualism is a common cover-up for fear of direct experience, you know? And so there's a lot of people going around. I was one of them, brainiacs, right? Like they want to learn everything. And they think that's like, the process, right? And sure, like the it's really fun to learn things, right? And you can get caught into a system where you think that like like I was, where like learning is all there is, right? And if I know about if I know what love is, if I know the definition, then I know love. And it's like, no, love cannot be understood like that because feeling is a whole different level than the mind. And this is what we were getting into a little bit upstairs with cannabis, right? Where with like the goal of cannabis being getting into a heart open state. And feeling that love, feeling who you are and where you come from and what you are. I find that a lot of people are living in their head, right? Like they're just very fast movers, right? And that isn't inherently bad or good, right? And then when it comes to like plant medicines, it's a great opportunity to like meet them where they are. And just slow them down a little bit, downregulate them. And then the opposite, people that are super grounded, maybe a little recluse, you can give them some nice sativa and bring them up into the heart space. And so that was just like some weird download I got <laughs> on a yeah, meditation. And so far it's worked pretty well, you know? And so I love that, that concept that you were talking about, you know, and uh, I'm not sure if you know Ryan Walla offhand. He's another enlifted coach, you know, great guy. And I believe we were just, it's no, I'm making this face because <laughs> him and I were just messaging the other day. Yeah. That's too funny. It's a small world, you know, yeah. especially in these circles, we say like one degree of separation, you know, like the six degree stuff is just too far. Like yeah. One degree at this point. He had a great conversation about, you know, grace when we were in uh, men's retreat in Colorado and it like blew my mind open. It was right after our medicine journey. And it was just like one of those times where I couldn't quantify what happened but I felt something. And that was the beginning of me getting back in touch with like feeling. And we joke how like 
men, we pay thousands of dollars to be able to go cry. You know, like that's literally what like a lot of this is, right? Is like we've been taught through one way or another that emotion is a sign of weakness and weakness is bad. And in reality, like invulnerability is the most strength you're ever going to find. And so like, it's just been this interesting process of coercing that getting back into feeling. And so I'm curious for you, like, you know, I imagine like being in CrossFit and fucking very fucking Yang, like I imagine there was a point where like you started feeling again. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about that. You know, we talked about grace, but I'd love to hear a little bit about like maybe the first time you felt a heart open state. If you remember like one specific memory where you were like, whoa, that was a shift. You know, I, uh, in 2015, I signed up or applied for the Barbell Shrug Mastermind, which mm-hmm. was uh, ran by Mike Butso and Marcus yep. and all those guys. I went to the first retreat, and it was absolutely um, very eye-opening for me. And then the second retreat, Mike invited me to Encinitas early. Mm. And I had um, a wonderful experience led by Daniel Raphael. Mm. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I call him the wizard. Yeah. And uh, and that was a my first uh, journey with psychedelics. Mm. And um, it was a journey with the intention of healing with my mother, which was actually healing of my feminine, which is inward, right? Mm -hmm. And um, after that, that was a very groundbreaking period for me. Mm. That was very beautiful and so loving, and that was the the softening mm-hmm. that was really the beginning of the softening mm-hmm. in such a loving way and and what it really was is the softness is there was there in me and is there in everyone mm-hmm. and it's breaking of the shell and just a crack that day right it was it, but it was just enough for light to come through mm-hmm. and then after that you couldn't stop me through it like because it felt so good to feel the light mm-hmm. and i just thirsted for more then yeah because i realized how beautiful it really was yeah i loved co-creating that journey with you right there and getting to join in on that because it was a beautiful visualization and it's really like exactly what happened when i got a new like all this you know coaching and everything this year I've been doing a lot of it just without the name coach attached to it for many years, you know, and, and always felt there was more to like what I was supposed to do. And then a big process of the dark night of the soul, answering the call, going on the hero's journey. And then Mark invited me here last August, right? So like five months ago. And I just, I remember there's been pivotal moments in my life where now I get it. But there's just been like like Oregon Eclipse, a music festival I went to back in 2017, was the first time I remember this, right? Because I was asking all my friends, like, do you want to go? Do you want to go? Everyone was like, no, I don't want to go. But something in me was like, just buy those tickets, right? And that wasn't like me. Like, I normally am like a very, at that point in my life, very structured. Like, who's going to come with me? How am I going to get there? I'm flying across the country. I was just like, bye now. Done, right? And there was just something about that experience, and it's always stuck with me. And then when Mark invited me here, I had that same feeling. And it was like, I just said yes before. I was like, yeah, I'll be there. And I followed those breadcrumbs to where now I've gone on. This is like 
the ninth trip I've gone on in five months. You know, this I've just been enjoying it and following my heart, you know? And I think for a lot of people, it can be hard to like, be like, oh, they're talking about following their heart, but like, what does that feel like, right? And I guarantee for everyone listening, you felt this at one point, right? But like, especially if you're a man, like women just get this a lot more, you know, because they like understand feelings. But men like, you know, a lot of times, at least for me, to put it on me, I didn't know what that feeling was, but I knew it was good, right? So I knew it in 2017, but I had no idea how to quantify it. What the fuck was that, right? And so I'm curious, like, how would you describe a heart open state? There is no plan. Mm. <laughs> that's that's the best thing about it. Yeah. Is you don't know how you got there. You don't know what you possibly could do with it or even why you're doing it. Like uh, you, I forgot who's a comedian. Uh, it was the name of one of their uh, titles, but you omit the logic. Mm-hmm. And once you are there, then, and you commit to that, mm -hmm. then you could bring in the logic. Mm. Yet if there is a plan, a thought, or any of those things, you are not in that space. I love that. I just listened to an episode of Aubrey Marcus with Sadhguru, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how there was this tradition, the name escapes me offhand, but in India for a long time where boys specifically, they would, when they were born, they would be given free room, right? They weren't like put in school right away. And then at 12, they were given the option to be educated. And if they were to be educated, they would have to expand their identity to one of a global identity, right? So you were no longer an Indian, you were a global citizen, right? And so in doing that, you were able to understand what the mind truly was, right? It's a great tool and it's the passenger, right? It's not the driver. And so like, I love what you just said, because like, in those hard open states, you simply know what to do, right? There is no logic, right? Like, how I always say it to people is, you get a call in your heart, I want to do this. The mind can help you figure out how to do it, right? Like, okay, what person do I want to talk to, whatever. So the heart's the, like, the, the start of this, right? And I love that, man. Like, it's just, it's so cool that what I'm realizing and this is just a funny aha moment for me, is that these experiences are very quantifiable. You know, like when you get into this hard open state, like you described that, I was like, accurate. That's exactly yeah. what I feel, right? Like you're blissed out. I mean, I have one last night, right before you guys got here, I hit a bag of Tahiti lime. And my goal was to finish writing out the cannabis ceremony I was going to do, right? I take a couple hits of it and I end up shooting the shit with Brooks and Holly and uh, Adam Chin for like an hour. Just And it just flew by. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, shit. Like, now it's 20 minutes before the ceremony, and I got to figure this out still. And those have been some of the most beautiful moments of my life. And so I'm curious for you, like, in those hard open states, like, and, and where you're at now, how easy is it for you to get into one of those states? Like, how easy is it for you to notice that you're in one? Like, I imagine that, because I know it's been this way for me, it's like a path in the woods, right? If you create your own path... Yeah, the first day it's got thorns and briars and sticks in the way, right? And you walk that path every day. And after a couple of months, it's a real path, you know? Yeah. And you just, you can just eye it out when you're going down the, you know, the forest trail. Oh, there it is. Boom, gone. And so I'm curious, like, how, how much easier has it gotten for you in the process? <laughs> All right. Wow. There's so much to unpack there. Yeah. Uh, so my quote when I first bring men onto my program, mm -hmm. 
The heart inspires, the brain conspires, and the balls make the fire. <laughs> Dude. Okay. And I say, through these modules, this is when you are looking for inspiration. Then we're going to make a plan, conspire, and then your balls fire. They yeah. action. Yeah. And then now you know you're aligned. Mm -hmm. Yet if it's not in that order... You're being over logical and you're not following your soul mm -hmm. or you're just running around with no intention. Yep. Right? So there's misaligned attention if this is first and there's no intention if that's first. Mm -hmm. Right? Makes perfect so sense. That's what I, I'd like to tell everyone. And then um, what was your question again? Yeah, about like uh, being hard open and like finding the path there, like how much easier yes. it's gotten. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> I was having a conversation with my friend about this the other day. I said, you know, the first time you, or first time, like, I would experiment with, like, MDMA, mm -hmm. I needed, like, a lot. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, totally. I said, I could smell it now <laughs> and get there. Yeah. Right? And and what it is is, for me, uh, psychedelics, cannabis, deep breathing, all the meditation, they're anchors. Mm -hmm. They're anchors. And over time, you've dropped your anchor in your heart so much that it's easier to get there. Mm. And even sometimes, the medicines you are unnecessary mm -hmm. to get there. Yeah. And so for me, just over time, it's it's much easier to to sit in the space. Also, too, I've um, you learn to love it and appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You find the beauty in it. And then also, too, the more you grow, the more you really understand how necessary in the usage of it mm -hmm. and the potency that it really creates. Like yeah. I said, the heart inspires. And so now you know that if you really want to have faith and be in true alignment, you go to her. Mm. You go. Because now you know what the cost is when you don't follow your heart mm. or there's recklessness. Mm -hmm. You've seen the casualties. Yeah. Right? This one is usually the the brain going first. You're usually the casualty. Yep. Because you just go do things for money. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And then if this is the leader, everything's a casualty. Yeah. Absolutely. Your relationships. Your car, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I'm fully aware and able to say this. I've had enough casualties in both directions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To know the difference. Yeah. And why you must draw from this well. I love that, man. That was beautifully stated, too, man. And like, I love that quote. Paul Check has a quote that he says a lot, young, dumb, and full of cum, you know? And yeah. it's like, it's so true because, again, like, we were never taught the nature of the being, right? So we just, it's it's almost as if we woke up on a ship that's just heading a certain direction. And this is like, you know, like the Western way of, like, bringing boys into manhood, quote, unquote. Um, it's like we woke up on a ship. We're just like, hey, this thing's going in a certain direction. Uh, does anyone know how to work this thing? Nope. We have no idea. Why are we going that direction? I don't know. We're just going in that direction. And so, like, I see a great opportunity. You know, you talked about plant medicines there, right? And I think the role they're filling for a lot of people right now is the role of the wise elder, right? Because they're allowing you to get in touch with your heart, which is 
the first wise elder, right? Because your heart is not going to lead you astray. It right. never will. Binary language very much acknowledged. It's always on point, you know? And so for me, I think a great opportunity that like that you get to do and that I get to do working with men is we get to like reacquaint them and like allow them to meet themselves for the first time, like the real self of who they are. And Indeed. like, and that is like so beautiful. And I love plant medicine ceremonies, like doing these cannabis ceremonies, for instance, right? Which I can like, I do over zoom sometimes and I still get great results. It's a great way because many people use cannabis and it's been bastardized in a lot of ways where it's almost like, Oh, just smoke every day, do whatever you want. It's totally fine. We'll give you cancer. Like I was in the industry for years and heard a lot of these things and fell into them for a long time. And one day woke up just like emotionally dead inside. And I was so emotionally dead that I couldn't even tell I was emotionally dead. It actually happened uh, from an MDMA experience where I enjoyed my time and on the downside, something happened, right? Like um, we were leaving Vegas, our flight time got messed up and like we just got no sleep, right? And my girlfriend was working on a big project at the time. I was tasked with time, which like for anyone who knows me, that's a pretty funny joke. Uh, you know, Angelo, you've known me for like what, not even a full day. And I'm sure you've imagined time me. We just... I had to pull you down yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, we got all this set up. Yeah. Gotta, like oh. I live in the clouds a lot, you know, yeah. and like, it's just know thyself, you know? And so she trusted me to be good with time and I screwed up straight up. Right. And I owned it. I told her, I was like, super sorry, totally my fault. And I watched as like, it was a weird experience because normally everything about that, I had a pounding migraine, which at that point they were chronic. I was getting them every day, right? It was a weird time in my life. It was like a year ago. It wasn't even that long. And I was, I had so much neck tension. I was doing workouts seven days a week that weren't working well for my body, but I was just yanging the hell out of it, you know? And so I'm watching like, you know, obviously we're in a disagreement. I have a pounding migraine. I have no sleep, which I am a prima donna for sleep, like 100%. Like, if I don't get eight hours, I'm just like a cranky little bitch, right? And so, like, I'm on this plane, and yet I'm watching all of this happen, and I'm watching all, like, the darkness come up in me that would normally come up, but I'm not experiencing it. Like, I'm watching it, right? And it just triggered this thing where I got this feeling. I was like, I need to stop using cannabis for a while. And so, I got home. And it was just this weird feeling. I start, I stopped using it. And every single day that I was off of it, uh, because I had been on it daily for over 12 years, right? So it was yeah. like, you know, I was, yeah. I was definitely abusing it, right? And it was unconscious. Like, I didn't think about it. Um, I wasn't smoking it all day. So there were all these things my brain checked out. Nope, you're not using it all day. It's only one bowl a night. You know, like, I was, I was managing perfectly, so I thought. And so after this experience, I stopped using it. And every single day, it was like uh, 10x getting in touch with my heart. Like I was like listening to the music and crying. I had no idea what was going on. And so really like this whole journey into like being a medicine man and like really getting to give these experiences to people started by me repairing my own relationship with plant medicines, right? Because at that point, I was having a lot of peak experiences, P-E-A-K, like a lot of like journeys and like experiences and then not enough peak experiences spelled P-E-E-K, right? Which is like what I was experiencing when I got home and I was just like listening to the music and my heart was opening, right? And I was feeling like, oh, this exists all the time. Like you talked about with MDMA, you can smell it now. It's because it's there all the time, right? Like all the medicines are doing, it's not like you're taking a medicine and it's putting a foreign object in your body. What it's doing is basically reprogramming how your brain normally goes through neurotransmitters. So it's saying, oh, usually you keep all that serotonin, 
just dump it all, right? And so it's really your body making all of the effects. And I think that's one of the funniest aha moments to bring that back again that I've had with regards to plant medicines. But after I took a break from cannabis, I decided to do a new schedule where I would only use cannabis on the weekends and I would leave the work week because really what I wasn't doing was I wasn't allowing myself to feel emotion, right? I was hiding it unconsciously and all this stuff. And so since then, cannabis is now my favorite spiritual aid and ally to use, right? Because I've, I've learned how to respect her, you know? And so I'm curious on your plant medicine journey, have you had any experiences like that, especially with regards to plant medicines that are more widely used and more commonly used daily, like cannabis or anything like that? That is probably my, or when I'm my, I get in periods where if I'm using cannabis too much, it really creeps up on me, but mm-hmm. then I realize, I go, wait a second. Mm-hmm. You're not using this to connect anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it takes me, a, a, no joke though, this doesn't happen like overnight. Yeah, of course. Right? This is a, like you said, like, you know, for me, uh, you know, I could smoke uh, like one or two puffs of a joint mm-hmm. and I feel beautiful but mm-hmm. then all of a sudden i'll go through a period where it almost becomes like a joint a day yep or a half a joint mm-hmm. a day and then i'll go through that for like a, a two to three week period and then all of a sudden um i call it the self-deprecation express mm. right? it starts <laughs> real small yeah it's almost like a roller coaster but then when you look back you go "Ooh, this crept up this way and then my eating followed that, mm-hmm. and then my negative thoughts were mm-hmm. being accompanied by that. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, I got everything on this express, mm. right? That's to me where the realizations happen. And then I trace it back to going, ooh, it's because this one thing was not being misused mm-hmm. because a couple extra puffs of that joint starts a more liberal food choice, Mm -hmm. which then creates, and if that gets repeated, the poor food choice gets repeated, and then the poor food choice, we all know that food is medicine. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm putting crap medicine that leads to crap thoughts. Then you go back, you go back, and you go, ooh, got it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where I've been more than recently, and it's hap- that's that's how it really creeps up for me. And mm-hmm. at the same time, though, I'm so grateful that if it starts, it starts with cannabis. Yeah, because it's not addictive. It's like not. You, it really is. You could stop it, <laughs> and there's no. You know, I'm not waking up with a headache. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's a conscious way to break away from something that isn't serving you, that's Mm non-addictive. And that's really why I love the cannabis. Yeah. Besides the effects, it's just you know that, one, in a pinch, you go wash your face and you're back in the game. Yep. And you're not going to fiend your body doesn't fiend for it Mm -hmm. like other substances. Mm -hmm. And so what a beautiful um, tool and medicine it really is available and, and teacher. Yeah. Yeah, is really available to you in the same time. And so that's what I really love about it. It's probably, man, now that we think about it and you were, we're talking about this word, mm. it's one of the most graceful 
medicines out there because it accepts you and loves you and yeah. you know doesn't own you mm-hmm. with judgment or mm-hmm. terror like that, right? Yeah. And so many of the other things or so many other choices that men use to replace that due to poor education and misunderstanding um, winds up actually putting them darker into the hole anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you took it away from right away, the addiction to that stimulant would wind up being a whole nother process and actually getting them better in itself because then it's not enough to break your addiction. I have to really think about breaking your ultra addictive behavior, Mm -hmm. which is a compounding, you know, thing to break through. And then on top of it, all right, now let's get to healing you. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag <Wow>. overwhelm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Or cannabis, you could tomorrow. Yep. Done, and you are fine. You're not puking or sweating in the corner. Yep. That's what I love about it. I love that you brought that up because, like like I had said, I've been using cannabis daily for 11 years. No, I was definitely not an all-day smoker, but every single day, cannabis of some sort was entering my body. I stopped. And every day was so amazing that I had no, like, it was funny because at that time I was in the industry still, right? So, of course, I'm going to these parties and these, like, events, you know, pre-COVID that were like, I mean, it's ridiculous how much unconscious use is going on. And there's no judgment there, right? Like, I've, I've done it. It's, it's, again, like you were saying, it's a pretty safe medicine, right? But it was something that had been feeling off in me for a while allowing myself to realize in that process that it was never cannabis that did it to me, right? Because that's what a lot of people will think, right? Like, oh, it's cannabis that's the bad you know, thing, right? It's like, no, it's you that did that to yourself. Yes. And now the question is why, right? And so one of the things I figured out was that for me, my inner child was like screaming to be heard, right? I wanted to go play. I wanted to like make life an adventure, right? And in my structure, right, to talk about masculine structure again, that I had built for myself, play was not valued because play was, it was fun, but there was nothing I got from it, right? And play, like an example of what I would consider play to be at that time would be something like this, right? Like where I come to a lake house and I'm hanging out with people, like it's like a quote unquote vacation, right? And then I started realizing that's ridiculous, right? And so I started like playing more and I noticed something weird, which was Every time I took time to play and took time to answer the call of what I wanted to do, aka what was going to allow me to be more me, all of a sudden I was getting downloads and I knew exactly what to do. I knew exactly who could help me do it if I if I was thinking about I needed help or whatever. And I, I just was ready to go take action. So like what I would notice is like today or like this week, for instance, right? I'm going to go to Virginia. I'm going to have a great time. Got a couple calls, some podcasts to do. I'm just going to relax. I'm not going to put anything in my schedule, right? And now I have all the programs I want to build already in the three days I've been here stacked away. I have an amazing thing I was talking about with Chase earlier that like is a really fun thing to do. And so I realized that by answering the call of my inner child, right? And therefore all the other parts, the heart, the inner critic, whatever, right? And dinner partying them essentially, right? So like having all the voices come to a table, being the conscious awareness at the head of the table that hears all the voices, Right. And like, as an example, this is what I love to give. Like, imagine all the voices are hungry. You get to play the father. And the ego is like, I want to go kill a lion. Right. And the inner child is like, I want chicken nuggets. Right. And the heart is like, I want a steak. I want a grass fed steak that's in the fridge right now. So you hear the three voices and you're like, all right, ego, 
I get you, like hunting your own meat, maybe not a lion, it's a bad example, they're endangered, but you get the point, like yes. hunting your own meat, great, awesome, but we need food right now, okay? And you look at the inner child, you're like, listen, chicken nuggets, delicious, right? But again, you talk about food as medicine, right? So like, what kind of medicine is that giving you? Do you want to feel good? Do you want to be able to go play more? Yeah, okay. Heart, what did you want? Grass-fed steak, it's in the fridge right now, we could have it ready in 20 minutes. All right, that's the one we're going to pick. And then all the voices got heard out, they can high-five and you can go eat steak together. Yes. So like... That's how I, yeah. yeah, Very smart. Thank you, man. Yeah, like I love looking at things like that because for me, that's the journey I've gone on. And so I'm curious for you, like, how do you allow your inner child to be heard on a daily basis? Like, do like what do you? What are some of your favorite things to do to like just to have fun? Ooh, wow. What do I like to do to have fun? I do love to cook. Mm, Nice. I do love to cook. So every. Every su- Sunday, my family and I do something called the Farmer's Market Shuffle. <laughs> so we go to the local Farmer's Market in San Clemente, and I pick out every ingredient that I'm going to cook my family dinner. Mm. And then Monday through Thursday, I get home from Alpha Hippie activities around 4 o'clock, and uh, my son gets... Um, either stands up on this little step stool thing we have or put in his chair and I cook dinner and I talk to him Yeah, and we play and he learns about food and, and I'd love to do that. Yeah, uh, I love music. Mm. I love listening to music and doing that. Um, Man, what else do I like to play? Believe it or not, I have this idea uh, about play and keeping it really simple mm-hmm. is I call it like prison play, and and I don't mean prison in the bad sense, but just I love finding fun. Mm-hmm. That if my wife and I or whoever I'm with were in jail, mm-hmm. it could be fun. <laughs> so like my wife and I could just find a way to play a card game, and it be really fun. Like, I'd love finding the most simple things. Or if me and you flipped this over right now and just went. Balls deep and tic tac. Yeah, dude. Right? Something like (laughs) really love that. To me, those are the joys because the the simplicity shows elegance and it also shows lack of dependency on external things Mm -hmm. because then your play is truly accessible all the time. Mm. Right? Because when I was a younger man, I thought play was to go have the more extravagant, abundant experiences. And don't get me wrong, they are amazing. Peak first peak, right? right? Yeah. And then at the same time, though, to find them there, to me, is when you are able to find God on demand, Mm. to find divinity. And when you could find divinity, you know that you don't need anything to get there. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the most beautiful idea of play. Mm -hmm. Right? What's in front of us? And can we make this play right now, no matter what it is? Tic-tac-toe, hangman. Yeah. And before you know it, it's dark outside. (laughs) To me, that was the ultimate form of play. So food, music, and then ultra-simplicity, for me, is the the recipe for my most playing moments. That is so cool, man. You know, 
I love what you just stated there because like really food is one of the original things that people got together around. Right. And then you talk about cannabis as well. Like that's the whole idea of it is creating community. And like, you know, of course this year is put a strain on community in a lot of ways and such. And you mentioned something really profound, which was like, you know, the idea of simplicity, right? And I'm curious, you know, there's something that we've been riffing on a lot in these circles that I've been in, which is like, life is simple, yet not necessarily easy, right? And the way that I always quantify that is, you know, with so many of us living up here, right, in our brain, we complicate things with all this structure and all these things that aren't inherently bad, right? But they can run amok, right? And so... I'm curious what your views are on why life can be simple yet not exactly easy. Yes. The simplicity is the ultimate form of elegance. Mm. And a lot of times when you think of simplicity also too, it's the ultimate form of not having excess. Mm. And most of us, and I say us, Mm -hmm. struggle with setting Boundaries are saying no. Mm -hmm. And so the more you're saying yes, the more you are moving away from simplicity. Mm -hmm. And so what I really imagine, even through my own life, is is saying no is so difficult. Mm. Setting boundaries, having discipline, which I really now look at as saying no Mm -hmm. without attachment. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that is what makes things simple. Mm. Right? Because yeah. also, too, what you just said, going back to your food analogy, mm-hmm. you said the steak was in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> it was the only one yeah. that I didn't have to go kill mm-hmm. or to a drive through for. Mm-hmm. It was in my fridge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right? You yes. with me? Yes, dude. And so, Bro, of course. That is awesome. Of course. Yeah. You said the grass-fed steak in my fridge. Yeah. What would be the simplest for me to eat? Yeah. And then what winds up being the best one, right? Man. And so, for a lot of us, all that other stuff could get in the way just because we say yes. Mm-hmm. Because of the more or because our inability to be inspired enough by something to say no or our lack of skill mm-hmm. on how we could create boundaries, our misunderstanding of how we could develop patience and give grace to hold of the boundaries, mm. right? There's a lot that goes into that, Yeah, right? Absolutely. It's not just knowing we're good. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stages in there, mm-hmm. a lot of guilt, a lot of cultural guilt, mm-hmm. right? And so much... Um, even the the praising of mo- being a martyr, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're only, in my opinion, uh, martyrdom only deserves a pat on the back when it's actually for something for the greater goods of many, many other people. Global. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When a lot of people look at martyrdom as a one-game thing. No, no, no. These martyrs that are saints or however people look at them in, in high regard, they were doing that to save cultures. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In a very prolific way. Mm-hmm. Not on a day-to-day basis of bashing themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's, for me, the, the best response I can Dude, yeah. that was beautiful, man. And I love what you said there because – 
that was a very quantifiable process that people listening go, oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah, there is always a simple solution. And then I think about three others that really like on some level, some part of me is saying yes to all of them just by thinking about them, right? Like in that scenario, like there's a part of you that's saying yes to chicken nuggets. There's a part of you that's saying yes to a steak. And there's part of you that's saying yes to go out and hunting your own meat, right? And yet, like, what's the simplest one? Go get the steak. Oh, cool. Oh, and it's the best option, right? And I think for me, like, I've discovered that in most cases, the simple option is the best option, you know? Yes. And it's so funny because as I've been flowing more, which you talk about the invitation of feminine energy into the masculine body, that's been, like, the best thing is just surrendering to things, right? And just realizing that, like, there's so much simplicity in life if you choose to create that in your reality because you are the creator. And that's where, like, accountability comes in and all that stuff. And so, like, you know, I'm curious, too, you know, based on um, the the saying yes and saying no thing, right? Like, there's a quote that I love, which is, your yes has no power unless you until you learn to say no. And I think that's so profound because it touches on exactly what you were talking about, where the Death Star in Star Wars wasn't powerful with the eight lasers it shot. But when they formed into one laser, they could blow up planets, right? And so there's a great time, I think, in life where you spread, you know, you, you try things out, right? And yet I feel like there's there's no real, t- like in school, they like, try things, right? And then all of a sudden, like, now pick what you want, right? And that's it. And they don't really tell you, like... First of all, the things that you've been spread out about are usually not things you're really passionate about unless you got like into a Steiner school or something like that where they taught you differently. So you're pulling from an empty cup of things that don't really excite you to begin with. And then later on in life, you're never really taught how to say no. You know, a lot of people like for me, this is a big thing for me. I was stuck into people pleasing, you know, I wanted everyone to be happy, you know, great intention, right? And realize that's a goal that's not attainable. There's someone that's always going to shit talk you and that's cool. Whatever. They have other people they can go find, you know? So at the end of the day, it's about like, where does the heart pump blood first to itself? Carotid artery. It takes a little off the top and make sure it's taken care of before it pumps it out to the rest of the body, you know? And so you hear these things all the time. It's like Hallmark sayings this part, fill your cup first, you know, all these things. But I think a lot of people hear sayings like that, like live, laugh, love, right? All these sayings, right? And they're like, Yeah, like, that's so simple. I get it. Duh. Like, and they're understanding it here, right? But I had this hilarious moment during a medicine journey because I've shit on live, laugh, love for so long. And I realized I'm like, oh, my God, it is as simple as living, laughing, and loving, you know? And, like, that's a hilarious moment for me to admit as a metalhead, you know, like, when I was, like, 19. So it's really funny how, like, these sayings of, like, saying yes, saying no, I think a lot of people can understand them mentally, but they haven't actually felt what that is. And then the other side of that is like they haven't discovered their why yet, right? Like I think like, you know, this is what we get into with men, like discovering their purpose, right? Like what can your fingerprints do differently than anyone who will ever walk the planet, you know? And that is the mission that I am so excited to be able to embark on because I, I, I'm i in the process of unlocking it for myself. I've transcended some levels and every day now is just like, it's like, it's, um you know, exponential, you know, it's like yes. every day, it's like two, four, eight, sixteen, 16, like 32. It's every day it's multiplying, you know? And so it's been such a fun journey in doing that. And speaking of journeys, you know, you, you stated recently that you're a father now, right? Like you're entering fatherhood. And so, man, this is a question I'd love to ask. What's your favorite part of fatherhood? Oh man, what a great question. <laughs> uh, Got him. <laughs> putting on the cape. Mm. 
I love the sense of duty it gives you because yeah. um, the best way I could say it is this. A man without – I have a son too, by the way, mm-hmm. so I really understand my role. Mm-hmm. And um, before you have a son, and even before you have a daughter because she's going to look to replace you for other reasons, yet I feel this deeply because I am a son. I'm mm-hmm. the most empathetic to this. Your father is your hero. Mm-hmm. Sorry for anyone that doesn't want to hear that. Yeah. Right? It's every boy's dream to know that his father is proud of him. Mm-hmm. Not just love. Yeah. Because you're the nurture is from the other side. Mm-hmm. But you want you you want your father you want nature to be proud of you, mm-hmm. respect you, and that's your hero. And before you have a child, you may be a hero and you may feel called to be, yet you're an amateur hero (laughs) because you're not being watched all the time. Hmm. Yet when you are a father, you are a professional hero. Hmm. Like Pressfield says, you have to show up. Mm -hmm. You have to show up all the time. And I love the pressure of having to put on the cape all the time. Mm. I love it. I love. I beyond love it. I lust for it. Yeah, you adore it. I do. Yeah, and knowing because of that was such a difficult wound for me. Finding out one day that my daddy was just guy mm-hmm. is a day that I want to prolong in my son's life for as long as I live. Mm-hmm. And do will I? Do I know that day will come? Yes, and that's why I said prolong. Mm-hmm. But goddamn it, I'm going to give it a run for its money. Yeah, dude, that is powerful. You know, and it's a subject that like I think about a lot. You know, having lost my dad in 2015, you know, and like telling a lot of men that I've been guiding like there comes a day where you realize your parents are just people you know and it doesn't mean like in my mind like i think it's a cool opportunity here to realize something for you right that like in realizing they're regular people superman didn't lose his power when people found out he was clark kent right like he was still like the same superman right like he just i mean if anything he was more relatable right so i think you have a great opportunity, especially with everything you're doing, man. I mean, shit, (laughs) like it's just, it's, it's, it's so far above what most men are doing. You have an ability to real, like have your son realize that the real heroes are normal people, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're just people that are choosing to wake up every day and live their life to their full potential, regardless of what that looks like. Some days it's taking your son to the park, right? And it's just having a fun day. The next day it could be cramming 16 hours in a work day, right? Because you're inspired, right? Yeah. So it's not like watching his father like go around and do these things and be miserable and all this stuff. It's a living example of how to become a hero. That's what you get to do for your son, man. And especially doing what you're doing, like with the like really focusing on hard open states and being mature in your masculinity and all these things. That's like a beautiful gift, man. And I can't wait to see your son like grow up because he's gonna get so much from you that so many people I feel have never had a taste of, you know? Thank you. Yeah. And dude, like think of the things he's going to be able to show people like learning that stuff from an early age, man. Like I think about this as a couple of people in these circles, like Ryan Wallace, one 
Jared Davis is another one that are doing this work and getting to have kids like Jared's going to the skate park with his kids. Like that is awesome. Like, and he was telling me a story of like, um, you know, being on the half pipe with his kids and they're nervous to jump in. I can't do it. I can't do it. He's like, all right, what does the other side look like? And he had them visualize like what it would look like and what it would feel like when they got to the bottom. By the end of the day, both of them had dropped in, you know? And so like, what's the most, what's the biggest thing or the most exciting thing that you're, that you're like pumped to teach your son? Is there one thing? If not, that's okay. But if there's one thing, I want to know that. My main goal is to teach my son how to be bold. Mm. To lean into his fears with a smile. Mm. And even challenge other things that don't make him feel inspired. Mm. To me, that is the number one thing that... Um, if you deconstruct, or I'm sorry, when I deconstructed what lessons my father wanted to teach me despite the methods, Mm -hmm. I really believe in my heart that if he understood it, that's really what he would have wanted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and does want. I'm friends with my father. My guy Cisco is... He's the man, dude. He's yeah. cool as it gets for me. He's still cool. Mm-hmm. And yet, what I really want Santiago to know is how to be bold. Mm-hmm. How to look life in the eye and smile and embrace it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. You know what's cool about that? It's like I have this thing, right? Where like, I truly believe we're infinite, right? And that what this is, is we're in a sort of soul school, right? And so like, Boldness, I feel, has a great opportunity to present itself when you are aware of the fact or whether when you believe that life truly is infinite. Because then things aren't so finite, right? Like you don't look at loss the same way. Like I remember when my father passed, and this was five, six years ago. So it was like I was at a very different spot consciously. And like, I definitely, you know, I went through some things without, you know, grieving and things like that and, uh, bottled that in, which would come out later. And there was this like peace to me, you know, like I just knew the whole time I was like, this isn't all there is. Right. And so since I've realized that it's almost like you're playing a video game that you think you have one life in. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's unlimited lives. Oh, I'm just going to like go balls into this level. Right. Because why not? Right. And you know, I'm curious, since we're getting a little deep here, you know, like, I'm curious, like, what do you feel the nature of, like, life is, you know? Like, do you believe we're infinite? Do you believe that this is a soul school? Do you believe something different? I'm curious to get into Angelo Cisco's head about that. Yes, great question. Yeah. I believe your soul is infinite. Your experience is finite. Mm. And because of that, you give, because your soul is infinite, you are open to loving and trusting and actually forgiving, but also knowing that it's not here for so long allows you to want to create purpose of it. Mm. Because we would not want to find purpose if we were here forever. Mm. Right? Uh, There's a great film. I really do enjoy it. It's Troy with uh, Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah. And he tells the girl that is studying gods, don't get it twisted. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But the gods envy us. <laughs> because we know 
we could actually see something and go, ooh, this may never be this beautiful again. Mm-hmm. Yet if the gods knew, the gods know that they're going to live forever. So no wonder things may not be so great, right? There's no labels for them. Mm-hmm. Great. That's easy, knowing that you have infinity. Mm-hmm. So we have infinity when it comes to compassion or your grudges and all that stuff. But having the time constraint actually creates purpose. Mm. I love that. That's perfect, man. Because like, you know, really like that brings it all back home too. Because we've been talking about purpose quite a bit in this episode, you know. And it's funny because... You know, I've had this, uh, you talked about the gods, right? And how like they'd envy us. And what came to mind when you said that was that like, we are gods, right? And like, this is something like you hear about a lot, but I had this interesting theory, right? That I'd, I'd like to run by you. I think I've only mentioned it once on the show. So I think I'm still good to mention it again, right? Which is, I actually came up with this uh, the first time I came here with Adam Chin and Chris Marhafka. We had an, ep- and Clayton Miller. We had an epic four hour long conversation. Wow. Um, with some medicines included, right? That was just unbelievable. And I had this download and I was like, all right, so imagine you're like a new soul, right? Like you've never embodied in 3D, right? And and with this story, I invite you to think about how it relates to how drugs are portrayed in our society, right? So you're a new soul, you're up in the ethereal realm. You've never embodied, right? So you have souls coming back that are in your soul family and they're like, oh my God, man, you got to try it. It's so crazy down there. It's like, is it fun? Sometimes it is. You know, sometimes it's pretty painful. It's like, I don't know. I'm just going to say no. I don't know. Like, I don't know about that, right? So you keep saying no for a while. People keep coming back, pressuring you. Come on, dude. Like, you got to try it out. It's so fun. Finally, you're like, all right. You know, I really trust this guy. And he just came back and said, I should do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go down. But I don't want to go down to something that's going to last a long time. I'm going to go down as like a fly. Get a look around feel this sensation thing they're talking about. If I don't like it, it's seven days max of this time thing they say that exists down there. I'll be back pretty soon. So you go on as a fly, get a good look around. Holy shit, seven days later, you're back. You do this again, being a bird, you get a much more expansive look around. So you do this with like animals, you know, then you decide to be a tortoise. I'm going to get a really good look around, 100 years, right? But just meditative still life, right? So you do that. And then at a certain point, you're like, all right, I want to go deep. So what's the deepest you can go in the ethereal realm? Being a human being. Because your awareness, you're consciously aware of that awareness. Then you have relationships, society putting things on you. I mean, it's the ultimate challenge. It's like putting the difficulty on extremely hard, right, in a video game. And once you've got to that point, you are now an ethereal extreme sporter. You're an extreme sporter of the ethereal realm, right? And so, like, something cool about what you just said about the gods, right, was like, yeah, they're envying us because we're the ones like with enough balls to come down here, right? Because like, I mean, like I speak for both of us when I say like, there's been many parts of both of our journeys that have not been what I would call fun or enjoyable and they've been necessary, right? They've got us to this couch, right? So they couldn't have been, you know, what we thought they were at the time, right? And I think for a lot of people listening, like if you're going through something right now, rather than seeing as just simply an obstacle, See it as more of a challenge, you know? See it as something like, hey, what's on the other side of that? Like, what can you grow from? And so I'm curious, you know, what's the biggest challenge you've gone through? What one comes to mind first? Because I imagine there's been many, right? Especially with business and starting Alpha Hippie. What's been the challenge that you've learned the best lesson from? 
getting in a committed relationship. Hmm. Because uh, the true definition of a committed relationship is that it's above the issues. Hmm. And so if you want to grow, <laughs> commit to something. And if my first committed relationship, real, genuine committed relationship, was when um, I would, as an adult man, I lost seven months, I lost 95 pounds doing CrossFit on my own, mm -hmm. which was a, right, it was above any issue, mm -hmm. but then having the gym mm. and embarking on the, the CrossFit coaching identity because... When you and then now into my marriage and then now into fatherhood, these things. Once you're able to take something and truly commit to it, you're saying that this is above me. Mm -hmm. This idea of me mm -hmm. and anything that I have is a shortcoming or overly lusting for or wanting or desire. It's not above this. Mm -hmm. And that at the end of my day, my friend is the journey of self-actualization. Yeah. Right? When you could commit to something above you, all the issues matter, but you could let them go. Mm. And letting go is the ultimate form of surrendering, is the ultimate form of growth. Yeah. Right? Addition by subtraction. Yeah. Always. You know? You know? So I, that's how I look at it. I love it because it's like something I say all the time to a lot of clients. It's like, find the eye in the storm. You know, like, it's not about trying to be like, oh, this storm sucks. Like, oh, see the storm out there? You see it? Like, it's just like, yeah, just find the eye in it, right? Like, life is not about always, it's about being, how do I put this? Like, it's about feeling good. Not necessarily happy, not necessarily bad, but feeling good. And what I mean by that is like what you were just saying, right? It's like, you know, you talk about like committed relationship with anything, right? There's going to be times that you're happy as hell. There's going to be times you're sad as hell, angry, whatever. But in that, if the mission is for more than just you, you can feel good in it, right? And I think like feeling good is like always my goal. Because to me, it's like I've abstained from experiencing certain emotions like sadness, anger, all these things, and they've bubbled their way up. And so for me, I'm like, okay, I don't want to put an affirmation out there. Like I always feel happy. Because that is just going to lead, for me, into sabotaging myself from feeling all my feelings. And the funny thing about feeling all your feelings is that energy takes 90 seconds to move if we don't attach a story to it, right? So the funniest part about that is that think about how many people have some uncomfortability in their life. Maybe they're in a relationship they don't like. Maybe they're in a job they don't like. Maybe their parents are telling them to do things they don't like. And so they go through 30, 40 years of avoiding this feeling, using substances or whatever else, whatever addictions to get away from it, when all it took was feeling something in its entirety for 90 seconds. Isn't that crazy? I like, never knew that it was that true. That's awesome. Yeah. Without putting a thought to it. Yeah. You know, what I was feeling uh, come up for me as you explained that is, you know, when people ask me about meditation, life is meditation. You really want to know if you're doing it right. The same way when you're sitting in the corner is how life should feel. Mm -hmm. And the goal is is to have a meditation practice, mm -hmm. not routine, mm -hmm. so that you could anchor in that feeling 
and then try to live it out as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's how you should be embracing of life is through that stillness of the good and not over attachment to either side. Yeah. I love that because I feel for me, this was definitely my case for a long time. It was like, okay, like I'm this rigid structured person. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do breath work. I'm going to do these things. So it was just checklists every day, you know, and I would get all stressed out if I, my checklist wasn't perfectly checked off at the end of the day. And like, yeah, there were times where I got those little P-E-E-K, P-E-E-K experiences into what meditation was about, but I never understood like the goal of meditation, right? Which is not to like only find that for 15 minutes a day, right? That would be a boring life, right? Like when you reach that point of pure awareness and you're just pure love when you're meditating, feeling, being able to go, oh, okay, that's the direction I want to go in. That's where I'm setting my compass, you know? And then you just like... I had this whole download the other day, which I'm so glad we brought this up because I'd love to hear your take on it too. Like where imagine if, you know, Joe Dispenza. So you know what he's saying, right? Which is like so accurate to me, right? Which is like you put out an intention of what you want and then you match your energy to the feeling of how you're going to feel when you get it, right? So I really understand that now, right? And three years ago, I thought I understood that. But I feel as though a lot of people are probably missing it, right? Because they're understanding it up here. Okay, I understand what the word feeling means, I think, right? All that stuff. What if we were to add into that process, do something you love every day? Because that's a backdoor way for you to get in touch with the energy of your heart. So say if someone who's like really stuck in their structure, right? Someone who um, is just like analysis paralysis, balls to the wall, workaholic, right? They start learning about Joe Dispenza and they're like, this process sounds great, right? What if in there it was like, hey, make an intention of what you want, be unreasonable, right? And then what's the thing you love to do most that you haven't allowed yourself to do? I love mountain biking, but I've been too busy at work. Okay, your goal, like this is like in a coaching relationship, like what I'm going to hold you accountable for is that you went mountain biking at least once last week, right? And then the more they go mountain biking, stuff's going to start happening, right? What's going to happen is they're going to be on that bike in the middle of the woods and they're going to get a download of something that's just like feels insp- inspiring, right? And then they're going to start doing that whenever it gets them inspired. And then by doing what gets them inspired, they're now living in their heart space more. And now what they put out there is their reasonable intention can come to them quicker. And so like I had this weird thought, like I wonder if that's like a way to meet a lot of people where they are especially men, right? Because we're just so like in our heads a lot, like like making like a commitment to doing what you love. And we don't even need to explain like to a lot of people what it's doing. It's just like, okay, this is your intention. What do you love? Do this. See what happens. I'm curious what you think on that. Do something that you lust for mm-hmm. as long as it serves you and doesn't hurt anyone. Mm. Lust. Mm. Children do what they lust. Mm -hmm. They don't understand love. It's too deep of a concept. Do something you lust Mm -hmm. as long as it serves you, Mm -hmm. the greater you, Mm -hmm. and doesn't hurt anyone. Mm. To me, lust is a feeling we all understand. Mm -hmm. Lust is a thirst. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? When you're a child and you lust for that pen and I take it away, it's the worst feeling. Mm-hmm. Yet when you get it back, it feels so good. Mm-hmm. Lust. Yeah. Lust. Because love 
may be such a deep concept, and you may not even fully understand how lust, love feels. Mm. Right? It, might, it still might be in your brain. Yeah. But lust, ooh, lust is a feeling. And we know what lust feels like. I could lick my lips and say lust. Yeah. Right? And then, like I said, attach as long as it serves your greater good and does not hurt anyone. Mm. Do that every day. Yeah. Lust. Lust for that in your life. And for me, that just flipping of that word, love to lust, more people understand the feeling of it. Because for so many men, especially in the English language, if I told you I loved you and said I loved this pen and I loved my wife, it's all the same word, mm-hmm. right? And so even the translation of the word love in English is flawed because at least in other languages, agape is like the love for, for the universe, God, right? Mm-hmm. Eros is like the sexual love. And so you understand love on the levels of it. And so when I try to describe it in English, I say lust as long as it serves you. Mm. It doesn't hurt anyone. That's awesome. Because I feel as though in the English language, people are like, oh, it's a bad word, right? And really, it's the meaning attached to it. So what you're doing is you're taking back lust, right? Like, we're taking it back, right? Yeah. We're reprogramming what lust means. And it's cool because that same Aubrey Marcus episode, he asked Sadhguru, like, you're so good at like living in your heart space. You, you know, didn't say it this way, but like, how do you get away from your mind? And he was like, I stay stoned all day. And then he left the pause, right? Because you know that like he was joking. And I guarantee at that point, he was like, so many people are going to think I just told him to smoke weed all day, right? And then he was like, on your own supply. And what I loved about what you said about lust is when you watch a kid play, they are unconsciously staying stoned all day. Because they're playing with crayons. And then the second the lust leaves, they look around and they go to that. And they start playing with that, right? And so that's what they're doing, right? Is they're using lust to guide them through life, right? And I mean, like, how many people do we know that started, like, playing guitar, let's say, at five or six or something, right? Because they lusted for it. And the lust just never left. And now they're a professional musician, right? And so, like, that could start tomorrow for anyone listening. Like, go out and ask yourself, like, what has it been that's been calling you that you haven't answered, right? Yes. And like, what could that, you know, again, like Terrence McKenna has a favorite, uh, like a great quote that's one of my favorites, which is like all of these things that we think about, right? Because again, kids don't think about like uh, life being scary in a particular way, of course, boogeyman, stuff like that. But to me, one of the scariest things as a recovering perfectionist, you know, and as a male that's had all these programs put on them is being the beginner at something, you know, like that's really terrifying to me, you know? And so Terrence McKenna has a great, great quote, which is like, it ends with like, this is the shamanic dance in the waterfall to hurl yourself into the abyss and realize it's a feather bed, you know? And like, I love that because that's essentially like what we've been talking about this whole time. And with the lust thing and everything, it's like, hurl yourself into what seems scary, nervous, exciting. Like, like that's what I ought, like that's, if I could describe the feeling that heart open feels like it's nervous excitement. It's like the feeling when you see a girl that you have a really big crush on or a guy for any girls listening or any guys listening. Like when you see someone that you just, 
like you get that feeling, that's like a good lust, you know? Now, again, if you're getting that, like looking at a bottle or something like that, that's when lust, you know, can be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But I love that, man, because I feel as though a lot of words in our society have been like taken away from us. That's a bad word. We can't use that, right? Like you look at swears, right? And like, I'm one, like I talked to Mark about this actually too. And he was like, yeah, that's accurate. Where like, I think a swear exponents what you're saying. So if you say, I'm miserable, Versus I'm fucking miserable, right? Like that's heavier, right? But you can also use it for good. I'm am- I feel amazing versus I feel fucking amazing. Like, right. like swears can do that. And so like, I love the concept of we are the creator. We put the power that we intend into the word, right? So nothing makes a word bad other than the intention placed behind it, right? And so like, you know, I'm curious what you feel the most monumental experience you've had where you realized that you were the creator of your life. Maybe it was in creating Alpha Hippie, like whatever moment where you realized like, oh shit, maybe I'm a little more powerful than I gave myself credit for. The more I've studied words and manifestation and really doing that, looking back on my life, you you see how the parallels were always there. Hmm. Right? And so the... And now it's just like having the awareness allows me now to use it intentionally. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, there were some very profound things now that I look at. So I had a, a note card in my nightstand mm-hmm. that said, I will be the best CrossFit coach in the world. Mm. And I wrote that in 2009 before I even knew but intentional manifestation was and why you would write an affirmation and all those things, mm-hmm. right? But I wrote that. Mm-hmm. And to become more educated on that now, I would say that, you know? And those moments where, yeah, that was probably now a takeaway the probably <laughs> that was that is a very profound moment mm. because that gave me the and gives me the continued confidence to know that right because we all forget it i forget it you mm-hmm. forget it everyone forgets it and to have anchors behind us that we could reflect back on to reaffirm that we are the hero it's just we're not in the game right now. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful mm-hmm. because you're on a journey to remember who you really are. Mm. And nice evidence helps you remember the easiest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, I always say we are the heroes we've been waiting for, you know? And what's so cool about that is, like, if you think about us as heroes, like make the action movie of your life the most epic one you can, right? Because in every hero's journey, right? Like especially in superhero movies, there's like the refusal of the call. There's like the ordinary life. There's the finding the purpose. There's the answering the call. There's like the fulfilling the call. And so like there was a moment the other day where I was able to really look back during a very hard open state and just laugh because I saw every aspect of my journey, you know, things I thought it was bad or good. And I was just like, whoa, this is a friggin' cool movie I'm making, right? And then I like, 
you know, I, I might have been a little stoned because I, I <laughs> got stuck into this thing. I was like, you know, what if our higher selves are up there and the whole reason for life is just for them to create epic real-time movies, you know, and they're just getting millions of them every year, you know, like finishing movies. That was just a weird thing I thought, but I thought it was really interesting because you brought the hero thing. And I say it like all the time, like I said, like we are the heroes we've been waiting for. And what's so great about accepting accountability is that like you realize when you realize that everything in your life has happened because you've allowed it to on some level, like as a great quote, if you don't like what's showing up in your reality, look at what you're choosing unconsciously. So like when you realize that, right? Like to me that always felt like, oh, I don't want to fucking like admit that. And the second I did, I had all my power back. Cause I was like, Oh, like I live myself here. I can get myself out. And so like, for the people listening right now, having gone through the journey you've gone through, continuing to go through the journey you've gone through, what's something that you would give them? I hate to say advice, like it's just a it's a overplayed term. But what is a piece of wisdom you would give them about the hero's journey and discovering what your purpose is, finding out what your calling is? What would you tell them? The best heroes are the best bad guys. <laughs> The heels are the heroes mm. because they're just playing the game wrong, mm. but they're playing the game. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. Everyone else like the is just on the sidelines. Mm. You give me someone that thinks they're terrible and they do bad things. Mm -hmm. I, I want that person. I would love to guide that person. Because knowing that you are a doer just requires me to shift your head and change your lens. Mm -hmm. Non-doers, we got nothing for you. Yep. More is lost by indecision than wrong decision. Mm -hmm. So those of anyone that's out there that's they feel like they're bad and they do bad things, you have more to offer than the guy that's doing nothing. In my eyes. And that's why I have so much love for um, the heels. Because <laughs> when the heel goes hero, what you have is the story of Paul to Saul, or mm -hmm. Saul to Paul, which is like one of the greatest in Christianity. And yet, to me, that's the, the great part. Because for a lot of people, too, um, I imagine even for myself, we didn't step into our hero earlier is because we didn't think we were good. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, your darkness and your ability to even step into your darkness mm -hmm. is why you, you would be a great hero, mm -hmm. not even a good one. <sighs> yeah, that is scary accurate, dude. And it brought up like something that I think about a lot, which is like the biggest risk you can take is no risk at all. So you're thinking about like the non-doers, you know, and like, it's like, yeah, I got empathy and those aren't the right people for me, you know, like that, those aren't the people I like to work with, you know, and uh, yeah, man, what a beautiful, what a beautiful journey, you know, what a beautiful like piece of wisdom that helped me a lot, you know, because there is like uh, uh, sovereignty is realizing that you have the totality of bad and good within you. Like, yeah, you could go be a serial killer. You can feel that part of your rage jacked up when someone cuts you off, whatever. You can feel like, you know, 
even the Dalai Lama, right? Like there was this interview he did where there was this fly flying by. He flies by once, Dalai Lama pushes him out of the way, keeps talking. Flies by again, pushes him away. Third time, smacks him. Dalai Lama, right? Everything gets three strikes, right? Like there's a point where the warrior needs to come out, right? And like, and that can sometimes look dark, right? For a lot of people that have it misplaced, it can look dark. I know it did for me for a while, you know, I imagine maybe you've gone through something like that too, you know? And, uh, and I think it's like, I mean, I think it's something everyone goes through. And so I love that because I imagine for so many people listening, they're silently suffering, you know? And they're afraid to admit that they have bad thoughts or they have this, like this anger in them. Right. And it's like, dude, anger can be a great fuel, Right, like beautiful energy and anger. You yeah. can do anything when you're angry. Yeah, give me an angry, <laughs> spiteful person. Yeah, Ooh-wee, we can move mountains. Yeah, because it's just misdirected passion. Yes, like you know, and so like they've already got the they've got the gasoline in the tank. They just set the GPS to the wrong location. You know, mm-hmm. whereas other people are waiting to fill their tank. You know, and again, no judgment. It just is what it is. You know, and. I love what you said there, man. That's really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, dude, this has been a friggin' blast getting a podcast with you, man, in 4D, man, in 2021. I mean, this is like a really uh, rare opportunity these days to be in person with one another, get to share space. And I'm, I'm really interested, you know, I, I imagine a lot of people are going to want to know where to find you, how to connect with you, what you're up to, where can I send people to stay up to date with you? Sure. Uh, I am Alpha Hippie dot com and on instagram and all that good jazz and facebook is uh we have a facebook group for men uh the way the courageous man Mm. that we we steward uh, ryan our brother ryan and marcus everyone does their part to cultivate a community for men where the the group is where we really expose men to to this stuff, you know, yeah. and really want them to be a part. And then everything else is through I'm Alpha Hippie and uh, anything for me. I'm I'm not on the social networks too much, but you could find me on Instagram at Angelo underscore Cisco. I do my best to um, use the tools and not let them use me. Mm. So that's the best way I could say about my social media usage. Yeah. Personal usage. After seeing the social dilemma, man, you're doing the exact right thing, you know, because again, it is a tool, right? And like, I think a lot of people look at it as bad. It's not bad. It's just a tool, right? Like it's, it's one intention you're putting behind it. Are you running towards something you want or away from things you don't want? You know, and I love that, man. I do have one more question for you. If you're up for it, Angelo. Oh my goodness. All right. (laughs) So if someone listening can only pick one thing to highly optimize their life, what would Angelo Cisco suggest that change be? Walk more. Mm. Go for walks. I love that, dude. Marcus says all the time, walking is integration, right? Some of the older people I've met that walk every day have the strongest handshakes, right? Like there's something there, man. Mm-hmm. You're onto something with that. Walking, <laughs> just walk. That's what we were designed for. Yeah. Ex- exploration, right. right? Walking is exploration. You walk even before you could talk. Mm, wow. Right? It's your human right. So please use it. That's beautiful, man. Okay, guys. So I imagine it's easy to understand why I had to get Angelo on the show. His journey of using his challenges to make him rather than break him 
and in doing so, creating the life of his dreams is exactly the type of story I find most powerful because in reality, we all have the capability to strive for greatness in our lives and realizing that our obstacles are simply part of the equation and to embrace them as tools to gain wisdom from is one of the best ways to take our power back and own our lives. Speaking of power, hearing stories such as Angela's and having the opportunity to share stories like his with the world gives me more power and energy than I have ever known. And by you leaving five-star reviews on iTunes and sharing the podcast with everyone you want to see succeed, you are helping to keep the show alive and thriving, to which I am eternally grateful for. Angelo, thank you so much again for stopping by to hang with us today. And until next time, brother, journey well, be well. Much love over to you. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a Z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.